1: Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For Gamblers Help call 1800 858 858. Time on with Sam Edman. Yes, good evening everyone. We're now into time on on Monday, March the 22nd. I'm Sam Edmund. I hope you've had a great day. If it's been a hectic one and you're just getting in the car, the train, the bus, or you just got home from work, here's everything you need to know from the world of sport today. Indeed, let's go straight to the bulletin board. Well, what about Suns' wonder kid, Matt Rowell? He's undergoing scans on his left knee tonight after the Suns arrived back on the coast about an hour or so ago now. The club has ruled out an ACL injury without getting the scans back, of course, but... A posterior cruciate ligament or medial collateral ligament damage is anticipated and expect a club announcement tomorrow. Elsewhere on the injury front, luckless Dockers defender Alex Pearce is expected to have suffered medial collateral ligament damage himself during Frio's loss to Melbourne at the MCG on Saturday. Jack Salvani at Carlton has avoided uh, surgery on a shoulder injury. He'll only be sidelined for the short term, while Nick Vlosten remains an outside chance to play this weekend after hyper-extending his knee in the same game. At North Melbourne, recruit Aiden Core has a turf toe injury that the Roos will closely monitor this week, while scans have shown an AC joint injury to Sam Menegola at Geelong, and the Cats are in fact hopeful he can somehow get up to play this weekend. Speaking of getting up to play, this was a big announcement today. Sydney coach John Longmire has given Lance Franklin the green light to make his AFL comeback this weekend against Adelaide after a long battle with soft tissue problems. that will be about his first game since round 23-2019. Former NRL star, one-time NFL hopeful Jared Hayne has been told that a jail sentence is inevitable after he was found guilty of sexual assault. After three days of deliberating a jury today, found that Hayne, a two-time M winner, of course, was guilty of two counts of sexual intercourse without consent. Aussie golfer Matt Jones has won the Honda Classic this morning. It's the Sydney Siders' first PGA Tour win in seven years, if he died Mind. And seven years ago, he needed a 45-foot birdie putt just to get into a playoff and then a 40-yard chip to take the victory. This win was far less dramatic, but just as meaningful because it gets him back to the U.S. Masters. And it was an emotional finish for the Australian, who did earn $1.6 million in the process. NBA young gun and the unbackable favourite to be named Rookie of the Year. LaMelo Ball is unlikely to play again this NBA season after fracturing his right wrist. And Melbourne Victory have gone some way to cheering up. Their miserable fan base after Saturday's match against Sydney FC fell victim to Sydney's big wet and was cancelled. Now, Victory have only won two of 11 games so far this A-League season. But several hundred loyal fans who made the trip to watch their club were rewarded when the club put around 3000 bucks on the bar for them at the Kagara Hotel on Saturday. Manager Grant Brebner was there. Players Robbie Cruz and Matt Acton among those in attendance. Pretty classy gesture, that one. I just wonder, actually, on the back of... Uh, one of the AFL seasons. Does your team owe you a beer or two after the weekend? You know the drill. Let's grab a jumper, shall we? We're in this together for the next hour. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking with you. one 736 736 or 433 98 On Twitter, we can be found at attimeonsen. Now, this show exists because... After a huge weekend of sport, Mondays are for for musing, for reflection, debating, arguing and all the passion. I'll be with you each and every Monday as this fascinating 2021 sporting year unfolds. You're always welcome here. The lines are always open. What stirred you over the weekend in sport? What angered you? What excited you? What did you love? On the show this evening, the very, very impressive Callum Mills of the Sydney Swans, Hot off the back of a 29 disposal, eight mark, two-goal performance in his side. Stunning round one win over the Brisbane Lions at the Gabba. What an opener that was from the Swans. The the baby Swans. The the Signets, perhaps, after conceding the first three goals of the game, the Swans completely dismantled the Lions on their own deck to run out commanding 31-point winners. And a big reason for that was the form of Mills, who was unleashed into the midfield and showed what he is truly capable of. We'll also close out the show with our now regular segment, as regular as you can be in your second show, what grinds your gears.
2: You know what really grinds my gears?
1: You know how it works. It's a chance for you to get something off your chest that you've stewed on all weekend, all Monday. Work and life have since got in the way. Well, we'll play counsellor to whatever is grinding your gears from the weekend a little later in the show. A Monday vent, if you will. And actually, I've got something that's been bugging me as well that we might roll out there to close the show for grinding uh, your gears. But for now, it's time to get to the big issue. It's time to break down the big issue for Temper, a mattress like no other. (laughs) Boy, oh boy, I don't mind. That's some nice work from you, Benny Lye. Look, there's no doubt that today has been dominated by the aftershocks of Patrick Dangerfield's huge hit on Jake Kelly over the weekend. that knocked the crow out cold and left him with a broken nose. Now, the Geelong superstar was yesterday sent straight to the tribunal by the Match Review Officer, Michael Christian, which means that Christian has determined the offence to be worth a minimum three-week suspension. The Brownlow medalist will face the tribunal via video link tomorrow, which left today free for a thorough Dangerfield dissection.
0: Oh, that is not looking good. That's more than just blood. Clash of heads. There's a head clash and a bad one. If you elect a bump, he's going to be in trouble, doesn't
2: he? Yeah. Sometimes players run into each other and there's a head clash. I don't think he intended to headbutt him, that's for sure. Um, so to my eye, it looked like he was doing everything he could to protect himself and the, and the other player. I understand that he will be suspended. I understand why. But I still think there is room for accidents. In AFL 40, and I, I just think it's going to be a dangerous area we get to if we rule out complete it Alarmist? That's alarmist nonsense from you, I'm afraid. No, no, no it's not, Gary. Because yes, it is. no, no, it's it's absolutely not. Alarmist? Because nonsense. if we are going to. If- Pat Dangerfield was going for the football and came charging in with the same level of intensity as he did hit Jake Kelly there on the weekend, but he was at the football and Jake was coming at the football and they clashed heads. Play on. It is, there will be head knocks in the game. I think we need, as an industry, to to remove this conversation around that's an accidental hit. Now, now it is. It clearly is, but... When you make the intent and the decision to bump and not tackle or to not stop, um, the, the consequences are both on the player you hit and for yourself now. And, and I reckon for too long there's been ambiguity and confusion around that. Today, mm. I reckon the system's got a chance to absolutely put a line on this. No more of that. Patrick Dangerfield, he, he knew. He knew, Jeff. If he sat here honestly and, and, and had the genuine discussion with you say, said, did you know you were going to be late? He would say, yeah. What did you try and do? I tried to hit him as hard as I could. I balled up and I come with power. Because Jake Kelly shouldn't have to go through what he's going through now in his life because of this. So either take a stance or get out of the role. Chris for me.
1: Prescott, Gary, Lyon, Kane, Corns, David King in there as well. And Paddy Dangerfield, Will he today move to defend himself when he was stopped by the media on the way into GMHBA Stadium, pointing to the speed of the game and the need for him to protect himself as well as others and those around him. He said, I think it's easy to review something at 30 frames per second. As much as you have due diligence to look after the health and safety of those around you, you have to look after yourself as well. And when Dangerfield was asked whether he had a realistic alternative to making contact the way he did, he said, I didn't think so at the time. It's still a collision game. I certainly appreciate and understand that looking after concussion and the head is extremely important. But... You also have due diligence to protect yourself when you are in an environment and a game where you can collide with others. It's a split moment decision to protect yourself with incoming opponents. That happens every week. One three hundred seven three six seven three six or oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. How does this sit with you, and what will be a fair suspension come this time tomorrow? So. Some of you will say or have said that it's tough on Dangerfield given it's an accidental head clash, but it is consistent with the laws of the game. And those laws of the game state, as per the tribunal guidelines, that head clashes that result when a player has elected to bump are circumstances that can reasonably... Be foreseen. Players will ordinarily be liable if they elect to bump if not contesting the ball. Now, this guideline was rewritten after Ryan Burton's hit on Sean Higgins in 2018 left the then Kangaroo concussed, but it also left then Hawk Burton free to play because Christian said at the time, and I quote him here, he couldn't reasonably foresee that there was going to be an accidental clash of heads. I think it's really important to understand that he took reasonable care to execute the bump fairly. But what is now clear is that when you have an option to tackle or you are not contesting the ball like in a marking contest or two guys putting their head over it at the same time, you are liable. Remember Dangerfield had no case to answer after he collected Nick Floston in last year's grand final and put the defender out of the game. The MRO found that he had no other option as he was contesting a loose ball. Now, Dangerfield may argue otherwise in this case, but in this case, he did have an alternative. And the fallout is serious for Kelly and the Crows. All of your feedback on that uh, throughout the show, one 300 736 736 Just before we close out our first segment here on, on Time On, speaking of fallout, is there anything... Like round one fallout, how's the how's the overreaction to the season opening weekend? I love it, and we've all been guilty of this on on my side of the fence. You know the examples: Geelong won't make the eight; Brisbane have been figured out; Collingwood won't kick. 10 goals in a game but how about this one from our good mate Kane Corns on SENSA this morning when it came to the Crows now keep in mind this is the same side that Kane only two weeks ago labelled the worst Adelaide outfit in
2: 31 years. The most positive thing for Adelaide is look at their draw from here. Uh, we always said round one's going to be really difficult, but from round two to six, you got winnable games. So Sydney this week is a winnable game. You've got Gold Coast the week after absolutely at home. You would now expect to win that. Then you've got North Melbourne. Well, we saw North Melbourne yesterday. That That is a winnable game. Could the Crows be 6-0? and zero? Hey, We're jumping the gun here, but their <laughs> yes. next five games, I'm telling you, there's Fremantle again in round five, that these are all winnable games. Kane, cause there you heard a little sh- a little chuckle there, but I don't, don't
1: think that was said totally as a joke. I think Kane has drunk the Kool Aid after one game. If you don't mind, some of your feedback off the text concerning Paddy Dangerfield. Firstly, everyone's missing the key point on this one. Dangerfield knew that by the time he made contact, the ball was going to be gone. Gee, that's a rough assessment. To me, that means the consequences are on him. Well, I agree with the latter point, but I'm not sure he was totally convinced that uh, the ball was going to be released. Uh, well, he says otherwise anyway. What grinds my gears is when coaches don't tag opposition star midfielders, especially when you give up a 40 point lead and a single player has 17 posies in a single quarter. Yeah, Duster Martin came to mind on Thursday night as well. What's grinding my gears is the Tigers' midfield don't get any recognition. The Tigers aren't just Dusty. The Dogs, Port and Lions all get more love for their midfields. Bat deep, quality, etc, etc. Our mids do the job that allowed Dusty to go into the forward line. Um, yeah, and Kane Lambert can certainly take a bow for that. We'll play a little bit of grinds. Uh, what grinds your gears a little bit later on in the show? I've got one, as I say, that I'm pretty keen to go with uh, before we leave you at a 7 o'clock. You're listening to Time On. Sam Edmund with you on Monday, March the 22nd. Plenty to get to in the Rest of the show. We're going to have a chat to Callum Mills. What a superstar he was at the weekend. You know, he was one of six academy players out there on the Gabba, if you don't mind. The future is oh so bright at Sydney, and they're just about to add a gentleman by the name of Buddy Franklin into that lineup as well. Franklin and McDonald inside 50. Has a pretty good ring to it, doesn't it? And I also want to talk to you about crowds at the weekend. What was going on with the crowds? A couple of games I want to raise with you. Melbourne and Fremantle, 21,000, really? North Melbourne and Port Adelaide, 13,000? I wouldn't mind exploring those two games in a little bit more detail as well when we come back on the other side of this short break right here on Time On. Don't go anywhere. was the anticipation for round one of the AFL season, particularly here in this part of the world, in Melbourne, in Victoria, where, of course, it was our first weekend of crowds at the footy in what seemed like forever. I thought they'd be banging down the doors to get to the footy, and they were at some joints, but the two games, there were two games that stood right out, wasn't there? Melbourne and Fremantle attracted 21,365 people on a perfect Saturday afternoon at the home of football, the MCG. North Melbourne could pull only 13,050 to watch their round one game against Port Adelaide and that was the Roos' lowest ever crowd against the Power at Docklands. And it comes on this, the first game back after no crowds, as I say, at the footy in Melbourne for all of last year. Now, Melbourne actually used its expected attendance as part of its argument as to why it shouldn't have to relocate its round one fixture with Essendon who formally asked the AFL, of course, to move the Hawthorne Clash so fans wouldn't be locked out. Now, Melbourne weren't asked by the AFL, but even if they were, the Ds were absolutely insistent that they would not move due to a big crowd, contracts in place, etc. Now, listen to this. This was Melbourne Chief Executive Gary Pert and what he had to say on Dwayne's World on March the 2nd on this very issue.
0: Quite clearly, we have contracts in place with the MCC and the AFL and members... Uh, you know, expecting to roll up. We, we would expect a big crowd of forty-five to 50,000 people our first game back at the MCG after uh, a season away. So everyone's pretty excited about it. So there certainly won't be any change to that fixture.
1: Pretty strong, it would agree. But that language was nowhere to be seen on the day of the game, the Saturday just gone, when he joined us on Crunch Time, Gary Pert, to set the scene for the clash against Fremantle.
2: What crowd are you expecting this afternoon, Gary?
1: Well, we average about uh, 24,000 when we play against Fremantle. um, And we normally get a lot of
0: walk-ups, especially on a day like today. That that won't be happening. I I would suggest that we'll end up somewhere between 23 and 24.
1: 23 and 24, in the end, they got just 21,365. That's way unders, isn't it? Um, especially, as I say, with with the layer of anticipation and expectation we had about just going to the football again. Some of your feedback pretty strong on this off the temper text. Dom's text in. It's the BS ticketing online booking process that saw thousands of elderly uh, or old-fashioned Melbourne and North Melbourne fans from attending as they either don't have iPhones or just simply couldn't grasp how to book their seats. Um because of the stupid ticket system, he's coming in off the text. Trent in Sunbury has suggests that Melbourne should be stripped of the MCG home ground until they can prove that they can fill the great stadium. Give the position to Essendon. They've proven they can get enough fans. But Trent, Essendon made the decision to leave the MCG and play their home games at at Marvel. That was, that was their decision. Doesn't help North when the narrative in the media is that uh, North will be relocated to Tasmania. Um... And this suggestion off the text uh, from Fog, we did Essendon a favour. They were garbage anyway. Interesting around Melbourne, though. I mean, they would have been really disappointed with that. Gary Pertz saying they were hoping for 40 or 50. A lot of people called him out at the time saying that was way overs and they were proven correct, disappointingly. If you're a Melbourne supporter you got to vote with your feet, don't you? And when they do the fixture, these are the sort of things they take in mind. And seriously, how do you feel about the lack of representation if you're a Melbourne fan, whether you went or whether you didn't go? Explain yourselves, Melbourne people. one three hundred seven three six 736 736 433 greg has been very patient in Blackburn. How are you doing out there, Greg? Listen,
2: Sam, I'm a Melbourne member of 40 years, and I went to the game, I was really jacked
0: off with the crowd. Um, in regards to Paddy Dangerfield, he um,
2: he wasn't protecting himself, but if the reverse had happened and he'd been injured and the other guy hadn't, would have still go to the tribunal. And thirdly, I've got some mates in New South Wales that have lost their house. It's completely above their roof. So anybody in New South Wales listening to SEN in your show, a huge shout-out because, mate, it is a lake. I really... Mm. It's just horrible. Absolutely horrible.
1: Geez, you feel what were there, Greg? I was reading over the weekend on, on a, maybe on the Friday there was something like 400 flood rescues up in up in that part of the world, and obviously we saw the Golden Slipper w- was cancelled. I, I was uh, actually thinking for a time that the GWS St Kilda game might have to be called off.
0: Well, if you if you look at the helicopter shots that are coming in now, it's pouring there. Well, and if you look at the helicopter shots, it's an inland lake. I mean, it's it's insane.
2: Yeah, it's got two days to
1: go of rain. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy rain up there at the moment, isn't it, Greg? I appreciate uh, your your call, and in regards to Paddy Dangerfield. Well, I'm sure if the shoe was on the other foot, we'd be having the same conversation. At least I'd like to think we would. I don't think there's uh, any bias at play by any stretch of uh, of the imagination, and. I sort of uh, think that Paddy Dangerfield might have been protecting himself in, in some sense, but uh, don't uh, misconstrue what I'm saying here. I think he deserves to be suspended. It's the one black and white, well, one of the few black and white rules around the tribunal and the MRO process that we actually do have, and that is, if you choose the bump, then you are liable. Um, and we might have some sympathy for Paddy Dangerfield on that, but the fact of the matter is there was a head clash, and poor old Jake Kelly is uh, ended up with a busted schnozzer and, um, and seeing stars. What about this off the text? Clearly the rule as written means bump with the arm or shoulder, not accidental head clash. Absolutely rubbish discussion. Bumping is a legal part of the game. If you want to stop this, then ban the bump. Well, Stu, it actually is written into the rules, the head clash aspect of it. Well, I read it out a little bit earlier. The, the rules state that... Um, uh, let me just find it here. The rules state that if you if you do clash with a head, it said head clashes that result when a player has elected to bump are circumstances that can be reasonably foreseen. Players will be liable if they elect to bump if not contesting the ball. That is as per the tribunal guideline, as I said, rewritten a couple of years ago now when this exact situation was, was mirrored with Ryan Burton's bump on Sean Higgins in 2018. Um, Burton got off. There was outrage. The rule was rewritten. Now, if you choose to bump... The bump's not dead. You can bump. But just know that if you do bump, you run the risk of getting suspended if you get it wrong. Ashley has uh, rung in. How you doing, Ash? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? I'm oh, going all right. Thanks.
0: Uh, someone said in the office today, like, why aren't the AFL footballers wearing helmets?
1: Well, if, Well, how many do, actually? There's probably only one in Caleb Daniel that immediately springs to mind. Uh, uh, the oh, and Angus uh, Brayshaw? Brayshaw. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There's two. So, so yeah, like, the ones that actually wear the helmets
0: are the ones that actually like need the um, helmets for their concussions that they've had. I think, um, what's that bloke from St Kilda that was a full for mm. that, to wear one that just came back for Sydney?
1: Oh, oh McCartan. Oh, Mac- yeah. McCartan. Yep. McCartan. Yeah, Paddy McCartan.
0: Yeah, yeah they, they all wear helmets because they've been hitting the head before. These blokes that come back after concussion tests, they don't seem to be wearing them and I think they should be mandatory for people that need concussion tests.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the call, Ash. Uh, good suggestion from you, although I'm not sure if the jury's completely in on, on our, what they actually do in terms of actually getting a hit and, and minimising the damage completely. But appreciate the suggestion. Brad's in Point Cook. you want to talk about Paddy Dangerfield and his tribunal case tomorrow night, Brad? Yeah, what
2: if Gripe right, is, he should get three weeks. He, he He's one of those guys that, all this talk about him being protected and whatever else that he is. But my thing is with his coach, with um, with Scott, well, what's he thinking say saying that he was trying to protect him and the other player? That's a load of crap. There's yeah. no way he's trying to protect him. He's broken his nose. Scott's got to stop with you and just coach the footy club. Yeah, That's no. Right,
1: Good call. <laughs> Good call. Appreciate it. Um, no, he did. He did go into bat for his player very hard straight after the game did, uh, did Chris Scott. And now that it's before the tribunal, all this campaigning, Actually matters because the, the tribunal is seen, is fit to hand down the suspension that, that, um, that it sees fit. I agree with you. Three weeks feels right, but certainly any decision that comes from the tribunal can be appealed on, e- on either side too, mind you. Off the temper text, g'day, Sam. I don't really like the rule, but Paddy had another choice. According to the rule, he's in strife. If you want to be accurate about crowds, then use the percentage of members that turn up. Media obsession with crowds is a joke that the public could... I think you mean couldn't care less about, Glenn, in Mount Evelyn. All right, Glenn, well, how many members do Melbourne have? I think it's 41, 42,000. Not a shallow number, and I reckon they'd be the most heavily represented club when it comes to MCC membership as well. So to get only 21,000 for the first game with crowds in Melbourne on a perfect day weather-wise at a very winnable game... With all the anticipation that goes around that... I would have thought 21,000 was uh, was unders, but that's just me. Helmets don't protect the brain from bouncing around in the skull. That's from Chris. Uh, said very matter-of-factly there, Chris, but that's uh, what I was trying to get to. Andy in Ocean Grove here. Mad demon. The low crowd number on Saturday is a reflection of our Melbourne are travelling. The club is all talk in the last couple of years, to hell and back, et cetera. Talk is cheap, and this team continually lets its supporters down. The coach is a major part of the problem with our performance. Players obviously do not complete buy into Goodwin's plan Andy this is round one you zip and zip you haven't even lost the game yet in the end you won the game surely you rock up in round one I can understand the crowd and fan base getting a little jaded come mid-season round 12 13 14 or whatever surely round one you get there don't you anyway Dean's texting in regards to the Sydney rain should go from the golden slipper to the golden flipper I don't mind that Dean Maybe that could catch on. That's a postponed, I think, to the 27th. So uh, just a few days' time for the golden slipper. I went on Sunday with my family and was not allowed to purchase a single ticket for a friend, in brackets, guest pass, due to the AFL members' policy for the game. I reckon at best it was 15% full when I thought it was a 50% max. Disgraceful by AFL membership department. They officially didn't declare it a low-demand game. That's from Tim in Q. Uh, appreciate the text, Tim. Uh, off the text here from Cormac McCartan. Paddy McCartan, the only one who's ever been told to wear a helmet. Daniel's uh, Caleb Daniel wears his because his mum made him wear it as a kid. That's true, Cormac, and he couldn't play, and now he can't play without it, which you can, which you can also understand. Ree Dangerfield, we are ignoring the elephant in the room here. The fact is, Golden Boy Paddy in his last two games is directly responsible for two opponents being stretched off unconscious, not calling him a thug, but he's got to change the way he plays. Rod in Seaford. That's Rod. Uh, Rod that's harsh in regards to the Nick Vloston grand final incident. The ball was right there between the two of them. Paddy Dangerfield hits the ball harder than, than most other players in the competition. Geez, he wouldn't want to get hit by him. Um, but he's gone to punch the ball clear and that forearm's obviously collected, unfortunately, as it was, uh, Nick Vloston on the way through. And... The tribunal, the MRO in Michael Christian, uh, deemed him he had no case to answer given he was reasonably contesting the ball. Dees fans had no trouble filling the stands in September 2018. To not show up after last year is pathetic. Don't complain when you get the Sunday Twilight Games next year. Uh, keep your texts coming through. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the open line. 4 33 98 is the tempered text. Before we get to our next break, to protect yourself in a collision, you need to see it coming first. Danger came from nowhere as far as Kelly was concerned. We'll get tomorrow your calls and texts throughout the rest of the show. We need to take a break now. On the other side of that, though, really looking forward to our guest today. We're going up to Sydney to have a chat with the midfield star, Callum Mills, after this. I was mildly impressed, I say, with the Sydney Swans. In fact, the history of the Sydney Swans is awash with talk of the Bloods culture, rolling the sleeves up, fighting against the odds. But Saturday night's dismantling of the highly fancied Brisbane Lions was more showtime than blue-collar, and a man who was front and centre in the demolition job was Callum Mills, 29 touches, two goals. And it's a great pleasure to welcome him. Hi, Callum. Welcome to Time On. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, tell us about your night. It was a reasonable one up there at the Gabba. Now, I know you moved into the midfield at stages in the second half of last season, but that was reported as, I guess, prompted by injuries to couple of your midfield teammates. How good was it to get a good crack in there first up in round one at the Gabba?
0: Yeah, it was good fun. Um, it was a, a challenge. We up against a really good midfield and um, it was really good fun. And we rolled our sleeves up and uh, managed to get the win, which is nice.
1: Can you, Callum, see yourself returning to defence after that? I think the Swans like the idea that, you, that you're so versatile and you, and you obviously can do it. But, gee, you might have made it hard for them
0: yeah yeah who knows who knows wherever the team sort of needs me, but at the moment, um the midfield we've been going well as a team in the preseason as a midfield collective um and yeah we're just um you know keen to explore different options and um you know the good thing now that I've done the work at defense, I can move back whenever we need, especially sort of in game if there's an injury or anything like that. so um it's just another string to the bow, I guess.
1: were you shocked by how well you went, if I can put it to you that bluntly?
0: No, I've been sort of happy with how I've sort of gone over the preseason. Been able to train most sessions really, so I was, um, you know, I had the work under my belt, and especially when you're learning off guys like Joey and um, Luke Parker, and you know, Dean Cox as your midfield coach. Um, It makes things a lot easier, put it that way. I
1: I meant from a team perspective. I know you're highly capable, Calum. I wouldn't be so bold as to put it to you that way. But the the team, I mean, we're shocked at how well the team went given the calibre of the opposition and and the venue as well.
0: No, no, we have, you know, absolute belief in our system and the way we play. And, um, you know, we're not here to play footy and, and, you know, give ourselves a pat on the back for having a crack. We want to go out there and win. And um, I think, you know... We show a real, you know, sense of confidence within the group of where we can go. And I think supporters got that... Um, could sort of see that at the end of last year of, of where we were going and how we're going about things. But, um, you know, we make you know, no apologies of wanting to go into every game and wanting to win.
1: So does a win like that, Callum, do anything for the adjustment of expectations, internal expectations? No, not at all.
0: No, not at all. It might externally, but internally... We know what we're capable of, of and um, you know, the main thing is that we wanna play a system based um game and and we wanna back that our game plan works and that just requires people going in and playing their role for the same and um reality that is that's what we got on the weekends and um you know. And boys were rewarded for, for playing their role.
1: Speaking of Sydney Swans midfielder, very impressive midfielder too at the weekend, Callum Mills. Callum, I was just speaking before you joined us about the ball movement and the efficiency and the direct nature of your ball movement. I mean, you had 23 inside 50 marks to four, which is an incredible stat. I mean, is this the new Swans this year? I mean, I know you've always played on the counter-attack, but the efficiency by foot um, from your youngest player to your oldest player was was really impressive.
0: Uh, absolutely. you wanna make every chance count and I think that's what we did. We we were really good with ball in hand, we were composed, which is what we went into the game doing. Um, wanted to lower our eyes and um uh, we executed which is nice. So but on the other end we you know, we still have our trademark sort of brand that we play with. They they only marked five inside fifty, so um, you know, it's it's just being able to value both sides of the ball.
1: Now, you're an academy player for the Swans, of course. I think you had another five academy graduates alongside you at the Gabba at the weekend. Braden Campbell, Errol Gordon, Heaney, Wicks, Blakey all came through the academy. I mean, what is it about this um, program, Callum, that just keeps producing the quality that it does?
0: Uh, I, th- I think it's super important you know, for anyone that's in New South Wales and understands how competitive the sporting market is. It um, enables AFL to have a real footprint up here, and um, it's doing wonders not only for the blokes playing AFL, but even the quality now if you see local football up here is you know ten times better than what it was a couple of years ago. So um, I think you know people are just seeing the fruits of it in terms of um, players on the field playing for the Swans. But um, there's a lot of grunt work that goes behind it. It's you know it's obviously extremely expensive to run as well. So. Um, I think the biggest thing is it's doing absolute wonders to the sport in New South
1: Wales and Queensland. And he was your first pick in the draft late last year, but Logan McDonald, so three goals on debut, turned some heads in the pre-season. What sort of early impression has he made with you, Callum?
0: Oh, plenty. He's extremely smart forward. He just understands footy, understands how to get dangerous, and, you know, his leading patterns and things like that are um, extremely good for... A guy his age and um, I think all three of our debutants on the weekend have just got this willingness to want to learn and want to soak everything up and, and ultimately just compete and have a crack on game day. So um, that'll hold them in good stead going forward, um, which, which is really exciting.
1: And not that you especially needed it after the game that you had at the weekend, but today it must have been a great boost for the side to hear that Lance Franklin would be uh, eligible to play this weekend.
0: Yeah, definitely. We all sort of knew if he got through this week, he'd be sort of raring to go and it'd be hard for all to deny him. So um, we're really excited to play with buddy. He's an absolute superstar. And, um, you know, you want to get to the SCG to watch him play. So get there on
1: Saturday. Hope he gets his car fixed, though. Didn't he have car issues getting to that reserves game uh, at, at the weekend? I don't know. Hopefully he gets uh, his car sorted of. Sure. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Um I wanted to ask you about Tom Icky as well. Sydney's his fourth club in his in a fourth different state. Uh, what an impression he made first up! I think he had nine clearances. What was it like riding shotgun with uh, with Tom Icky? Oh, he's
0: awesome. He's got so much experience. Um, he understands how a footy game works, and you know he's been, as he said, he's been to a few clubs, so he's just brought that experience to us and. Um, as well, he just has a crack on, on game day and, you know, I love playing with him on the weekend. He was super competitive and, and gave his first use, which is awesome, so... Um, you know, hopefully we can sort of carry that momentum and create a bit of synergy with the midfield group going forward with, with Tom because he's been awesome.
1: Now, your song, the Swan song, has shifted, obviously. A bit of a lyric change here from uh, while her loyal sons are marching onwards to victory. It's now been changed to, obviously, while our loyal swans are marching onwards to victory. And that change, obviously, has been made to reflect the entire club, the supporters as, as well as society. But I was keen to know, Callum, who stuffed it up at the Gabba with the new lyric.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was one of the things that we talked about as well before we sang it, but I think a few got too excited and it just clicked back into old memories. But it's something that we're really keen on changing because it's an important part of um, not only who we are but the people that support us, so... Um, We're an inclusive club and um, we'll make sure we get it right for round two. That's the
1: show. Well, if rare one's any uh, sign of things to come, Callum, you'll have plenty of chances to practice it. Well done on a flying start to the season, both personally and collectively. Can't wait to watch Buddy run out for the first time in a year against the Crows this weekend as well. Well done and thanks a lot for joining us.
0: No worries. Thanks for having
1: me. On SEM, your home
2: of sport. Time on. You know what really grinds my gears? No! God, please, no! No! think somebody owes us an explanation that's all are you too good for your home answer
1: me okay let's play a little grinds at my gears you know what grinds my gears where the hell is the banner you can have your smoke in the player race when they run out fire if you like music between girls as it is at marvel stadium but where's the big crate paper it's an institution They tell us it's health and safety. It's a COVID issue. People on the ground, people in the players race. It's not sounding like it's going to come back either. I heard Cheryl Critchley from the AFL Fans Association raised it with Gil McLaughlin at the MCG last week. It's clearly a health and safety issue for the AFL as per the agreement they have in place with the government to hold games. But the cheer squads have written collectively to the AFL asking if they can bring the banners back. And and we're hearing that the league has come back with uh, numerous questions. What's the minimum number of cheer squad members needed to hold the banner? What's the banner made of? How much time do they spend in the players' race? Are they prepared to take a COVID test each week? And yet across town, a stone throw away, Melbourne Storm have banners for their home games. What has happened to the banner? Do we care? Am I the only one that cares? If they never come back, will it be like the tree that falls in the woods with no one around? Did it even happen? Jeez, I don't know. The smoke was all right, though. I didn't mind the smoke. But I like the banner, too. Can we have both? Grinding my gears, Peter says, is the lack of footy cards at servos. Peter, you got to get in quick. You know you got to buy multiple packets at a time. You can't just go in there for a measly packet. you got to buy in bulk. Michael's on the road. Michael, how you doing?
0: How are you going there? Ah,
1: oh, Jesus.
0: All I've been hearing after the Richmond-Carlton game, that Sam Walsh this, Sam Walsh that, he made Dusty look silly, Kane Coyne said this morning. There's a player called Jack Graham... Oh, he was ...who doubled good. his metres gained, had the best game he's had for Richmond, didn't get a mention by any of the commentators. He had 33 touches. He'd done even better than Sam Walsh and just went under the radar. And I think to myself,
1: are these people watching the same game I'm watching? He was very good, Michael Obviously last year signed that uh, new contract That keeps him to the club until 2023 Ironically, I think it was the Blues Who might have been sniffing around at the time To try and get him out of the Tigers But he's great value for it, isn't he? I appreciate your call Brendan, have we got time? Very, very quickly Read the banners
2: Oh yeah, just with the banners If if I can't have them How come our mighty Tigers Had so many people on the ground To one fill the flag? Because they had um, every every
0: flag that's ever won um, with one
1: to two participants, <laughs> so over 40 people. I agree, Brendan. Bring back the banner, although that's a one-off, obviously. The banners would be every week as we got used to them. But I appreciate you jumping on board the banners. Can we get them back, please? That's what uh, was grinding my gears this week. Thanks for your time this evening. You've been listening to Time On with Sam Edmund. We'll be back next Monday from 6 o'clock. Make sure you get involved. Have a fantastic week, and best of luck to your team for round two.